Holy Spirit. Palm Sunday is the single dirtiest trick in the entire liturgical year. It lures us into church with a carnival atmosphere. We get to be outside, we have the children's choir, there are palms and a parade. And then within just a few minutes, we're hearing again the story, not of joy, but of Christ's suffering and death. And in this way, our liturgy reflects a historical and scriptural reality. Because it's true that the crowds that cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord on Sunday, were the same crowds calling for Jesus's death on Friday. And to make things even more awkward, we play the part of both crowds. We shout Hosanna in the memorial garden, and then we come in here and shout, crucify, crucify him. Episcopal priest Fleming Rutledge tells a story about her first Palm Sunday in a parish, where after they'd read the Passion in church, she went to coffee hour and heard a parishioner telling anyone who would listen, I didn't say crucify him. I just couldn't make myself do it. It was too horrible. I couldn't say those words. And while most of us might not go this far, we've all been tempted not to join in with the calls for Jesus' death. We like to think of ourselves as part of the Palm Sunday crowd shouting Hosanna, but not as the part of the Passion crowd calling crucify him. We want to think that we're more involved, we're more enlightened, we would never flip like that. And this belies a human tendency to assume when we hear about terrible things happening that they must have been done by other people, by bad people who have something wrong in them, some sort of mental kink or some sort of evil tendency. Ordinary people, nice people that you go to church with, would never do a thing like that. Ordinary people, like the ordinary German police force that was sent to Poland in 1942 to keep order in the ghettos, but which within weeks was committing shocking acts of brutality with sickening zeal shooting the elderly and infants and pregnant women at point-blank range, instituting strip searches to humiliate young Jewish girls before killing them in front of their families. And if this wasn't troubling enough, the really troubling thing is that German Police Reserve Battalion 101 was not made up of Nazi true believers. These were not members of Hitler's army. They were just a regular German police force. They were all in their 30s. They hadn't grown up with Hitler youth. They were too old to be swayed by the Nazi propaganda. These were ordinary people who knew better.
And yet, when their commanders told them repeatedly that they were here as volunteers and were free to go home to Germany and face no consequences, of the 500 men in the battalion, only 12 left, too sickened by what they were doing. So is it any surprise then that the crowds of ordinary people that shout Hosanna to their king on Sunday are standing by the roadside mocking him as he bleeds and struggles for air on Friday? The crowds in Jerusalem are not sociopaths. They're not some special breed of evil. They're just ordinary people. People like you and people like me. And so we have to wonder, if we were there in Jerusalem all those years ago, can any of us really say we would have done anything different? Palm Sunday forces us to ask the question we would rather avoid asking ourselves. We would much prefer it if we left the passion out of Palm Sunday. Read the lesson about the palms for the gospel, but skip the passion, because then we could go straight from Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to Alleluia, Christ is risen. It's a better story. It's a happier ending. It flows better. But the problem with the story that goes straight from the triumphal entry to Easter Sunday is that it's not a story that actually speaks to the world we live in. That story doesn't have anything to say to the Jewish families killed by German Police Reserve Battalion 101. That nicer story doesn't have any hope to offer the families in Bucha or Mariupol, Ukraine, who suffer at the hands of Roman soldiers. If our church only tells a story that's all light and happiness, then it has nothing to say for people who live in darkness and suffering. And the good news of Jesus Christ is only good news if it speaks to those people, those lives, that suffering. And so, my brothers and sisters, this is my request. After two years of pandemic, with ever-increasing and ever-felt social and political division and unrest, in the time of rising prices, of the potential for world war, of war crimes in Ukraine and local crime on the rise here, give yourself to Holy Week. This week, which starts now, take time off work if you can. Slow down. Dwell in prayer and scripture and quiet. Resist the temptation to jump to the end of the story without facing the darkness in the world 
or the darkness in our own hearts. And to do so, come here. Because you cannot and should not face this darkness alone. And for more than 2,000 years, the church has stewarded the liturgies and traditions of Holy Week. The church has set aside a week to look into the heart of suffering unflinchingly, to see our place in it. Our Holy Week services are not historical reenactment. We're not recreating the situation in Jerusalem. They are not a morality play meant to teach us how to be better people. They are the door given to us to enter a deeper reality. They are a gift to us that puts flesh and blood onto God's eternal love for a hopelessly broken humanity. So come to the table with Christ. Fall asleep in the garden with the disciples. See your Savior taken away. Behold the wood of the cross. Hear the pounding of the nails and hear your own voice call out, crucify him. And then on Saturday night, gather in the darkness with your brothers and sisters to watch and hope and pray that maybe, despite it all, God will triumph anyway.